known by the message of an angel, may, by his passion and cross, be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas-Fort Worth. Catholic radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. Live from the KATH 910 AM studios in Las Colinas and broadcasting across North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is the Good News Show. And good afternoon. Welcome to the Good News Show here on KTH 910 AM, Guadalupe Radio Network. And uh, we are live today. And uh, this is a program. We do it once a week. Every uh, week at this time on Mondays, we talk about good stuff going on here in North Texas in the local Catholic world. And since it is the fourth Monday of the month, uh, we are going to have uh, the University of Dallas segment during the second half. Uh, Dr. Sanford, the president of the University of Dallas, will be in at about 1230, and he has a great guest on today. You may be familiar with Dr. Francis Beckwith uh, from, the, from Baylor University. He is a professor of philosophy and, uh, let's see, professor of philosophy and church state studies at Baylor University. Dr. Beckwith made Big news, gosh, what was it about, maybe 10 years ago when he converted to the Catholic faith? And that was like a big deal because he was at Baylor and he was very, very well known in Protestant and I think evangelical circles. And so I don't know if they'll talk about that or not. Uh, that's been a while, but uh, he will be the guest with Dr. Jonathan Sanford beginning at about 12.33 today. Uh, before that, we have uh, two, uh, I think the first time I've had two ladies by the name of Tracy in studio at the same time. So this is pretty interesting. Uh, Tracy Beckley serves as the career ministry coordinator at All Saints Parish in Dallas. And I want to thank Phil Muscat because he's the business manager over there. And uh, I, wor I work a lot with Phil in promoting events, and they let us come out and make announcements and sell raffle tickets. It's a great parish. And he connected me with Tracy Veckley, and Tracy Veckley connected me with Tracy Tim. <laughs> and they have an event tomorrow night uh, at the parish, and it's uh, from the All Saints Career Ministry uh, department, uh, ministry at the parish. Find your purpose in 2022 and beyond. If you are in a job that you don't like, or maybe you're just thinking, gosh, I think uh, my, my career lacks purpose. I want to make a change. I just kind of want to find out who I am and what I should be doing, what God wants in my life. Uh, this event will help you a lot. Tracy Tim is a career clarity expert and CEO of a company called Thrivist. And the, the event will be tomorrow evening at All Saints Parish. Uh, Tuesday, the 25th, 7 p.m. in their fellowship hall. And so if that sounds like something you may be interested, stay tuned because they're both in studio. We'll be talking to them here in just a, a couple of minutes. Before that, I want to bring in Diane Xavier, uh, our wonderful production manager. And, uh, busy. Good afternoon, Dave. Good uh, afternoon. You were really busy this weekend. Yeah, I really in was. In Austin, then back doing parish talks on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, probably a little too much in retrospect, but it was fun, you know, and uh, it was, yeah, I went, I went uh, Monday morning, drove down to Austin, met up with Richard, uh, you know, Richard Reyna, our, our executive director, uh, Mario Perez from the San Antonio office, and also uh, Sean Rice, the general manager of South and Central Stations. And we were set up, Diane, I don't know if you saw this, we were at the Austin State Capitol building right and i mean we were like 200 feet we were on the steps of the capitol building and they had the big pro-life rally thousands and thousands of people were there we had a table set up we did a live broadcast 
uh, for two hours, and then we carried the event for two hours. We did the march down, you know, in downtown Austin. It was great. I mean, it was a lot of fun. It was very quick there and back. You know, I was back by seven o'clock that evening back home. Uh, but it was great. And we, we broadcast it across all the English stations, uh, Texas English stations. Yes, uh, I heard that GR. broadcast. Did, oh, did you? Yeah. It was really good. And was the weather good there? Oh, it was. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was like in the 50s. Like, oh, I mean, a little chilly. It would have not been too bad. To and you maybe... said Governor Abbott was there? Yeah, Governor Abbott was there. And uh, the Texas Alliance for Life. Uh, gosh, who's the head of that? We interviewed him. We interviewed several people from Joe Price. Poyman. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Joe Poyman. He came on with us. Great guy. And uh, it was great. And so uh, I think all the the rallies, you know, for, you know, uh, the surrounding around marking Roe v. Wade are, are over for now. But we await this summer with the decision from the Supreme Court. So next year in January, it might be the first year where we're celebrating uh, no longer having Roe v. Wade, uh, the law of the land here in this this country. Uh, all right, Diane, uh, real quickly, just a few minutes. I want to thank the parishes that allowed us to come out and speak Yesterday and Saturday, last weekend, we were at six parishes, and I know you were at St. Elizabeth in, in Plano. Uh, St. Mary's in Sherman, Father Martin Castaneda, thank you very much for letting us come out. Uh, Father Bruce Bradley over at St. Elizabeth in Plano, uh, and Father James Flynn at uh, St. Elizabeth in Keller uh, allowed us to come out. That's a big, big parish. Uh, St. Catherine of Siena. Uh, in Carrollton, we were there. St. Patrick's in Dallas, uh, which I spoke at, because that's my alma mater. I went to grade school there. And so whenever I go back, it's just like... Gosh, and you were an altar boy there, weren't I you? was, yeah. I mentioned that during my talk. I was like, I used to be an altar boy like like 45 years ago or something up on that, that same, uh, you know, that church. And then All Saints in Fort Worth. Uh, we were there as well. So thanks to all those uh, pastors. Also, we did live remotes last week at Rodenball's Appliances in Allen and also Smart Looks Decor in Richardson. So that was a lot of fun. Thanks to everybody who called in and, and got tickets. Diane, we may have three remote broadcasts this week. I know, I know we're at Woody B's Barbecue. Yeah, that's uh, Wednesday at noon. And then you got Jim Hickey's. No, I'm sorry. Uh, um, is that right? I got it wrong. Uh, Charlie, Cre- Creole, Creole Charlie's Charlie. is Charlie. Wednesday at noon. Uh-huh, Woody's uh, Woody B's is Thursday at 10. And Woody has a very, very uh, close relationship with All Saints Church. In fact, uh, <laughs> Father Tom Clority, the former pastor at All Saints, Woody says has an, a lifelong uh, free food as much as you want pass for Woody Bees. He says he's the only person in the world that has that. Oh, that's nice. Isn't that mm-hmm. cool? Uh, Diane, any uh, thoughts about your your trip yeah. to St. Uh, um, Elizabeth in Plano? Yes, the people were so friendly. You know, they're building a new church, yeah. so the Masses is actually in their Faith Formation Center, which is beautiful in itself. And so, and the Mass was held at their gym at the Faith Formation Center. And I was just sitting by the table outside, you know, right in front of the gym, and I, I've never had so many people greet me. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, they're the friendliest people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and yeah. I just want to thank um, Father Bradley, Bruce Bradley, for yeah. all, and for allowing us to come speak out there. Did he come by and say hello? Yes, uh. he did. And he's like, you can move the table because it was near the door and it was kind of chilly that morning. But I'm yeah. like, no. We'll be fine. It'll warm up. Yeah, he's a great guy. I I told you, I've I've said this many times in the year. He was the very, very, very first priest that ever embraced Catholic Radio many, many, many years ago. Back before Guadalupe Radio, when we were trying to start Radio Xavier, 
And I sent out an email to basically all the priests in the whole in Dallas and Fort Worth. And then I went over to Ireland for two weeks. I figured <laughs> when I come back, I'd have my inbox full of all these, you know, priests and, you know, how can I help? How can I help? And uh, it was Father Bruce who had responded. And then he got me in touch with Pat Martin from the seminary. The three of us had lunch together. And that was really my first meeting ever. Uh, in Catholic, to just like, hey, we got this dream of having a Catholic radio station. So I, I owe Father Bruce uh, a lot, and he, he's, a, he's a great man, a great priest. So thank you, Father Bruce. Uh, all right, I think that's uh, going to be it. Oh, by the way, Sissel's uh, will be on EWTN. They moved it. To yeah, yeah, Sunday. Yes, yeah, she's going to be. A, thanks for reminding me. She's going to be on Life in the Rock this Sunday at 8 o'clock. Uh, for a, like a 15, 20 minutes. 8 p.m., right? 8 p.m. Central. Okay. Yeah. You're going to watch? Sure. Okay. You, even if there's a football game on? Even if there's a football, I'll cheat <laughs> and switch the channels. All right. And, and real quickly, this coming weekend, uh, we're also going to be at four parishes, the Cathedral Shrine of Our Lady Guadalupe in downtown Dallas. We'll be there. Thanks uh, uh, for their, them allowing us to come out. St. Francis of Assisi in Lancaster. And, uh, you know, you say Lancaster, not Lancaster. You know that? Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, it's kind of like Waxahachie and not <laughs> Waxahachie. you got to get all this lingo down. St. Bernard of Clairvaux Parish in Dallas and Sacred Heart Parish in Munster, which is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful town, like 90% Catholic in Munster. When you went on that one trip, wasn't it filled with people from Sacred Heart and Munster? It was, yeah. Yeah, well, there were, there were three, Pilgrimage. Couples, three, three couples down the Danube, yeah. Uh, which is cool because we went into to Germany and Munster is a very Germanic town. Um, so, all right, I think that's everything, Diane, that we wanted to cover, isn't it? Oh, did I we, believe did we cover so. everything. Another um, busy week for us. Yeah, and we might, might, might be at uh, Pantigo Dental on Friday morning for a live remote broadcast as well. And so, oh wow, what a what a busy week, huh? Uh, car raffle season. All right, let's talk about this event that's happening tomorrow evening. I mentioned a moment ago, All Saints Career Ministry. In Dallas, All Saints uh, Parish is presenting Find Your Purpose in 2022 and Beyond. And so if you're asking questions like, uh, you know, am I at the right place professionally? Is your career lacking purpose? Or do you want more purpose? Or do you wonder if God has more in store for you? Well, this is the event for you. And I want to thank again Phil Mascott for putting me in touch with uh, Tracy Veckley, who is the Career Ministry Coordinator at All Saints Catholic Church. She is in studio. How are you doing, Tracy? Good to see doing you. Great, thanks. Thanks for being here on relatively short notice. So thanks, uh, not only <laughs> you, but you also got your big star speaker here as oh, well. So my goodness, we are excited. just, uh, our, our cup overfloweth. Uh, Tracy Tim, career clarity expert and CEO of Thrivist is here in studio as well. So Tracy, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. All right. Uh, so tell me, I want, first of all, just a little bit about your backgrounds. Uh, I was mentioning to Tracy Beckley about uh, this position at the Paris Career Ministry Coordinator. I don't know that I've ever heard that title at a parish, uh, but it's only been around for like a year and a half, right? Right. It's pretty new. So we started in the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, my background is in psychology and did some counseling, worked in healthcare and clinical research for years, but I really like the action-oriented, been very involved in my parish for years, and so um, when the pandemic hit and people were losing their jobs, this was a great way that we could meet the needs of many parishioners and our community, and um, as this time has gone on, uh, certainly there's been a uh, re-examining and people wanting to find more purpose. Uh, we love the marrying of the faith and what God has in store, along with 
along with finding a job. It's not just about finding the job, but what is God calling you to do mm-hmm. and how can we use your individual talents, how you are uniquely made by God to um, apply to the best job for you. Yeah, because I guess, you know, we spend about a third of our life at work. <laughs> I mean, it's a big chunk of, of kind of, you know, our, our, our vocation, our mission, what we're doing, the people we're interacting with. And so we really need to get this part uh, right, don't we? For sure. Uh, all right. And, and as I mentioned, Tracy Tim, career clarity expert and CEO of Thrivist. Clair- career clarity expert. That, that's a mouthful, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> <laughs> I've considered changing it a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say that 10 times. So tell us a little bit about your background. I know you are uh, a parishioner at Holy Trinity Parish in Dallas and Uptown. That's right. And uh, Thrivist. You actually made that word up, didn't we you? We did, yeah. So Thrivist is a made-up word. The word thrive obviously means to flourish. Uh, an ist as a suffix I'm a huge nerd by the way uh, means one who does or one who is so a thrivist is one who thrives uh, so all of our social media is at one who thrives the website is one who thrives.com but mm-hmm. uh, we did that on purpose we wanted the people who come into our uh sphere of influence as far as clarity coaching, career coaching, career counseling, to find something that meets all their needs and allows them to thrive. Yeah. So not something they just get through every day or suffer through like many of us do with our jobs, but something that really allows them to utilize, like like Tracy said, their incredible God-given gifts and then their skills that they've worked so hard to accumulate over the years in a way that allows them to actually show up with a lot of energy, a lot of confidence. Um, and a lot of that comes from clarity. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going to be talking about. I actually have a job that I love. And I've done, I've done it for 15 years. And, and yeah, and I, I, I mean, you know, I, I really do get, get excited to go to work. And uh, yeah, like every job, it has its ups and downs. And mm-hmm. there's days where you're like, you're frustrated. But overall, I, I love what I do. But statistics have shown that that's a minority of people, isn't it? A lot of people are just going through the drudgery and clocking in and clocking out. Mm-hmm. And is it Friday yet? And that yeah. whole attitude. And, and that, that's a real, uh, it's unfortunate, isn't it? It is. I think it's easy to get in that routine. It, it really is it's comfortable in a sense this is what i know what to expect it's it doesn't blow me out of the water but it's also not miserable and you know you just bide time somewhere and uh we all have our own individual breaking points though mine happens to be a lot faster than most people (laughs) i tend to get uh dissatisfied with an unsustainable situation pretty quickly but a lot of us can actually are are pretty long suffering when it comes to our careers and we've seen especially through the pandemic a huge resurgence of the idea of questioning those basic principles of what's going on in our life and asking for more from our work than a paycheck um, because we give more to our jobs mm-hmm. right than, yeah. than yeah. the amount of time supposedly that we're paid for or the energy or you know so many of us are falling asleep thinking about work wake up and we check our <laughs> phone right away you know I, I'm guilty of that so yeah. it's it's definitely a, a, a time I think in our country especially the great resignation going on many many people thinking about just not trading uh, work for worth anymore and looking for something with more meaning. Is the great resignation, uh, is that literally resigning or does that just mean resigning from a particular job? They, or, or uh, yeah, In what? droves, in literal millions. Yeah. Yes, there's so, been like four and a half million uh, resigning each month in the, since April. It's historic uh, record highs of uh, people that are just reevaluating their priorities and looking at uh, making changes and seeing that their current work doesn't, doesn't suit them anymore. Mm-hmm. And do you, do you think these people intend to get back into the market or a, a lot of them are maybe close to retirement and they're just like, I'm out of here, I'm, I'm well, done? Well, I think there's some of both. I think that you know it's made it difficult for employers too as they're trying to um, <laughs> recruit uh, 
the talent because there are a lot of options. So many are, you know, have have changed their priorities and work-life balance is super important. Being able to, you know, maybe telecommute is a big issue for a lot of people, staying safe, all of that. But um, but a lot of them are just reinventing themselves and trying to make sure that their, that their work priorities uh, align with their own personal goals. Yeah. Mm. You know, if you want to, uh, I was thinking if you want to become a millionaire, create, you know, signs that say now hiring. Because, I mean, <laughs> e- e- everywhere you look, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, every restaurant, every store, everybody's hiring. So, uh, Tracy, Tim, what, what, what is going on? And because uh, the, the, <sighs> the owners of places are really struggling right now just yeah. to get people to work, aren't they? There's a strange... Um, evolution happening i think in our definition of work and then what we're willing to settle for when it comes to pay and when it comes to how we're treated as human beings when it comes to the work that we're expected to do day in and day out for that pay and for that respect or or frankly lack thereof sometimes right so people who were pre-pandemic fine with making x dollars an hour and working the amount of time that they were working with whatever benefits they had are now reevaluating saying i think my time is worth more and i think i'd like to be treated as a human being that also has other priorities and that work isn't my life and mm-hmm. Because, I mean, we were home, right? We were home yeah. and we were thinking a lot, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> which is kind of a dangerous combo and sometimes. And eating a lot. <laughs> and eating a lot. There you go, yeah. Or drinking a little wine in, in my case. But, uh, yeah, it, I mean, the the disconnect is really also kind of disturbing because there are a lot of people looking for jobs that can't find them. And then there are a lot of companies looking to hire that can't find the right people. And I think the dynamic that's happened is the market has reevaluated what it needs to get by. Mm-hmm. So companies are getting by with fewer people and they can afford to wait. You know, the, a lot of money was lost through the pandemic, but I think a lot of money was saved. Yeah. No traveling, right? We didn't have huge conventions and, mm-hmm. and corporate get togethers and everything was done digitally and remotely. I mean, even speakers, I, yeah. you know, I, I speak professionally. We weren't traveling. It's all Zoom, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is a lot cheaper for the company. So yeah. they can afford to sit and wait for the exact right person to come along for the exact right job. And so I think our job as career counselors and clarity experts and people with psychology backgrounds is how do we equip the individual? individual person to know their value so deeply that they can identify that place in the marketplace where they fit perfectly. Mm -hmm. Because unless you can make that case right now to an employer, you're not going to get hired. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and then all these other jobs, the sort of more low hanging fruit where the signs you see everywhere, the, you know, now hiring, as Mm -hmm. you you were saying, uh, frankly, people just aren't willing to do that work right now, which you could say, you know, is or isn't a bad thing, but it's it's just the way things are right now. And so companies are having to reevaluate how they compensate in yeah. many ways. Uh, it's a Find Your Purpose in 2022 and Beyond event tomorrow evening, okay? Tuesday, January 25th, 7 p.m., All Saints Church uh, Fellowship Hall. And uh, the presenter, speaker, is going to be Tracy Tim on my left. You can't see that, but uh, she's here. <laughs> uh, and she's a career clarity expert and uh, CEO of Thrivist. And uh, also in studio with me is Tracy Veckley, the career ministry coordinator at All Saints Catholic Church, where this event is going to be held in Dallas, far north Dallas. And uh, Tracy Veckley, uh, you know, it's a ministry. And so this is something that involves our spiritual life. Some people just think a job is a job. It's just, you know, something I do to pay the bills. But tell us, how does, you know, God, prayer, spirituality, uh, you know, from your perspective at the parish level fit into all this? 
For sure. That's super important. So that's a lot of what we do, both by bringing in speakers and we have a weekly Zoom, um, a fabulous group of volunteers that help coach and mentor. And uh, we've partnered with an organization called Crossroads Career Services, and we have a workbook that, you know, basically goes through the steps of hearing God's call, um, assessing your own uh, unique uh, abilities and interests and that that sort of thing. So we make prayer for sure a, a large part of it. Um, you know, scripture verses such as Ephesians 2.10, you know, about being uniquely made, mm-hmm. beautifully made, and um, Jeremiah 29.11 is one of our favorites, for I know the plans that I have for you, not to harm you and prosper you. Those are key. We try to not only give practical um, help with the job seekers and LinkedIn uh, reviews and resume reviews and interview skills that we prepare them, but also that hope and knowing that, you know, God has a plan. God's timing is perfect. It's not always our timing because I think sometimes as a job seeker, you're sitting there wanting it to happen yesterday and God has a reason for our wait and that can be difficult. But in our prayer and in our support through our volunteers, uh, we try to give that hope through, uh, through the job seekers. All right. And the event tomorrow night, uh, is this one of a series of events? Is it kind of a one and done, or uh, maybe just tell uh, our listeners a little bit about more they what they can expect? Yeah, tomorrow night is is um, our primary. It's a kicking off, but it's it's the event itself is yeah. the important. Um, <laughs> we have follow up that we will be doing through Zoom after that, and our services are free, open to the community. Um, you can reach me by career ministry at allsaintsdallas.org. Um, Registration is not required, but we'd love to hear from you. And if there's ways that we can help, there's um, you don't have to be part of our parish. We're happy to have visitors from everywhere and uh, get you connected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, this is really for anybody. Anybody that's just sure. thinking, um, you know, I, maybe you're in a job that you like pretty much, but you would just kind of want to explore and see what else might be out there. Or you may be unemployed or underemployed. And uh, again, Tracy Tim is going to be the speaker, career clarity expert and CEO of Thrivest. Tell us from your perspective, because uh, I'm sure you've done this many, many times, these kind of events. Oh, you know, a few. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your first one, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah so uh, what will you be doing and what will you be in parting uh, and how what's kind of the, the flow of the event how's it going to go yeah well i'll start by saying i love what you just said uh that it, this is open to anybody it's not that you're in transition it doesn't have to be that you're miserable but what i tell people all the time is you're either thriving or you're not yeah and yeah. we all know the difference we all know the difference and and frankly if you're like right on the cusp of thriving and maybe it's just one tweak you feel like you need this could be the event that gives you that little bit of clarity mm-hmm. right so i uh, started out my career on Wall Street. I hated my job. And the only reason I stayed there as long as I did was that I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't have clarity. I didn't have a vision. So when I left that job, I made that my mission. I was going to figure out what I wanted to do and what I was made for and where in the world I could be best of best use right? Mm-hmm. and what felt purposeful to me. Uh, and when I figured that out, I looked back and I realized, oh, I could teach people this process. You yeah. know, I could distill it down into the core pieces that really move the needle, get rid of all the extra stuff, all the wasted time, the wasted money, and just give them the effective exercises. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I did that. That's how I started the business that I have today. Seven years ago, I created and then trademarked this methodology. It's called the nth degree, which is the seven steps to your uh, ideal career. And so what we're going to be going through together tomorrow night is the first three steps of that process. And they're called now, nature, and nurture. In the now step, that's where you get really clear on what your values are at this phase of your life. 
and look back at the last two years and ask yourself, how has my life changed? Mm -hmm. How are my circumstances different? Check in with what you care about, with what your core values are. And then we're going to roll right into nature and nurture, which, as we all know, are psychological principles, right? Yeah. Of Sometimes we're hardwired naturally with certain gifts, and then often other times we put other tools in our toolkit over time. We learn skills and knowledge and expertise that we work really hard to gather mm-hmm. in our careers. And so we want to honor both. And I really believe that if we can leverage your natural gifts and put you in an environment that's conducive to you thriving without working that hard, yeah. and then layer on all the skills and the knowledge and the expertise that you've developed over time, that's a double threat. Mm-hmm. And the triple threat is when we bring in the now, which we start with, which is your values. What do you actually care about? What do you feel purposeful doing? Where are your passions right now in life? And then what are your non-negotiables? You know, yeah. if, if at this phase of your life, you've got three kids and you have a mortgage and you have a dog, you're going to have a lot of different choices <laughs> than somebody who's maybe 25 and doesn't own a goldfish. Right, so right. it's really important to check in and honor the phase of life that you're mm-hmm. in. So we're going to go through those three steps. We're going to do it pretty high level because we don't have hours together. Uh, But I hope that each individual will walk away with just one nugget of clarity as to how they can thrive more in their career today. All right. And uh, those are the first three of seven. Do the, do the, is there going to be a part two? Is there a sequel? I here, think we or? could definitely uh, do yeah, a part two. No, yeah. Is that already in the, in the, the works? Or, Why or? not? Let's uh, do it. You have to have, yeah, you're going to have to do four <laughs> in the next one, or or two and two, or is that something we'll that's, that's planned, or is that a secret, or, we're, or what? We're working on the details of all that. Okay, all right. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll Let's see how that. this one goes first, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And, you know, I, I always saw, and I think maybe this is where you're getting at, Tracy, is uh, I've, I've often heard, especially for a young person, is just find out what you love. You know, I love photography, or I love animals, or I love, you know, whatever, uh, uh, math, and then find a way to make a living in that. Do you, do you agree with that kind of a, of a uh, philosophy? Is that, does that work? I, so, okay, so I went to Yale where I learned to question everything, right? Yeah. So part of me is like, yeah, and then the other part's like, well, that doesn't <laughs> always work, you know, because there are cases where you love something so much and then once you turn it into your job, yeah. your relationship with that thing changes. Yeah. Once you put the onus of making money on that thing, it it changes. So if you don't want to take your crocheting that you love and turn it into a business because you're worried about, you know, now I have to churn out all these blankets and scarves and it's no longer fun and I don't enjoy my hobby anymore. That's a different, that's a totally different thing, right? Uh, but, it, you know, I, I think it's a good principle to start with to say, what in the world do I care about? I yeah. ask my my students two questions. Who do you have a heart to serve? And what problem bothers you so much that you want to see it solved mm, or you want okay. to be a part of the solution? Yeah. So who do you have a heart to serve and what problem bothers you so much that you want to be a part of the solution? And generally speaking, those two things can lead to a career. Yeah. That career is going to ebb and flow and evolve. And one day you'll be an entrepreneur and then one day you'll be a full time employee and then one day you'll be a mom and then one day you'll be yeah. a volunteer. And then one day you'll be an entrepreneur again. But that's OK. But the through line is that which you care about and those whom you want to serve. Yeah. We have a 17-year-old daughter. She's a junior in high school. And we've yeah. had this conversation about, you know, what do you want to do in life? You know, what do you want to major in? That's is so this, good. Is this event for somebody like that? Or is this just, maybe yes. yeah, this would be a Tracy? No, I think absolutely. I think high school is a great 
starting point to okay. have these conversations. Um, we are going to be live streamed as well on All Saints YouTube and our um, Facebook site. So okay. you can go ahead and follow that. We'd love to see you in person. But, you know, I know high school schedules and mm-hmm. uh, community yeah. can be difficult sometimes. So hopefully you can come to All Saints Parish. But if not, you can follow us online as well. All right. So we're just about out of time. What, two minutes, Diane? Two minutes. Okay. Let's, uh, and uh, in studio with me, the Tracy times two. We've got Tracy. <laughs> Veckley. Uh, I wouldn't even tell you how you spell that because uh, it uh, doesn't sound look like Veckley, but uh, Tracy Veckley, Career Ministry Coordinator at All Saints Parish in Far North Dallas, and uh, Tracy Tim, who's uh, going to be the, the speaker and kind of leading this uh, e- event tomorrow evening, uh, Tuesday the 25th, 7 p.m. It begins, All Saints Catholic Church Fellowship Hall. Let me get one more uh, comment from each of you. Tracy Veckley, first of all, just kind of go over the basics as far as uh, do people need to register? Um, you know, who can come? Just some of the nuts and bolts one more time. Yeah, anyone is welcome. We'd love to see you in person. You can uh, email me at careerministry at allsaintsdallas.org. Also, if you'd like to have further support in your career search, we'd love to, to work with you. Um, but really, anyone from high school through uh you know, 80 is welcome. Okay. So. 81-year-olds, stay home? Or no, what? no, I, I'm, I'm actually. Kidding. No, anyone. Uh, I feel uh, like okay. if no. you're you're still on this earth, there's God still has a plan for you, and there's still work to be done. All right. Career ministry at allsaintsdallas.org. And the stream is through Facebook? or Facebook or, and uh, YouTube, YouTube yes. and Facebook. Okay. And then, Tracy, Tim, I'll let you give your uh, one-minute uh, elevator, long elevator Whoa, uh, speech. Good, long uh, just kind of uh, people that are on the fence thinking, oh, maybe I'll do this, maybe not. Uh, why why should this be important to pretty much anybody? I I have a firm belief that if you're not fully utilized in your life, various areas, right now we're talking about career, then you're leaving something on the table. Yeah. And there's a, there's a speaker I follow who always says, the world needs that special gift that only you have. Her name's Marie Forleo. And I love that line because... Truly, if you believe in this Christian worldview that we have, and if you're Catholic, then you are a unique creation, and you're here for a reason. Yeah. And if you don't feel special right now, and you don't feel like you're living with purpose, for whatever reason, the pandemic's got you exhausted, you've experienced a little burnout, you're tired of being like the person who teaches at home and works and, and does everything, this is a time for you to check in on yourself. If your cup is empty, we got to fill it back up. Yeah. I woke up this year with a pretty empty cup myself and realized I needed to be pouring back into myself and I needed to get reignited. It happens to all of us. So you may think you're <laughs> not included in this finding purpose group, but I think how how few times do we all check just check in? Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's January. It's the perfect time of year. We're coming, hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on everything out of the pandemic. So the world is going to change significantly in 2022. And it'd be great if you had a sense of clarity as to how you're going to be a part of it. All right. Very good. Well, I really appreciate y'all coming in and uh, you've been great guests. And, thanks for uh, having thanks, us, Dave. Yeah. Thanks so much. It's the All Saints Career Ministry. Find your purpose in 2022 and beyond. Uh, Tracy Tim will be the speaker. She's a career clarity expert. Expert and CEO of Thrivest, and you can find that online, I'm sure, as well. To thrive with IST at the end, and no E. <laughs> you, you can figure it out. One who thrives. Uh, yep. yeah. <laughs> Tuesday, January 25th, tomorrow evening, 7 p.m., All Saints Church Fellowship Hall. If you want to uh, ask Tracy Veckley any questions, just email her at careerministry at allsaints.com. 
dallas.org. Career ministry at allsaintsdallas.org. Thanks to both of you. We're going to take a break now and come back. Dr. Jonathan Sanford, the president of the University of Dallas, is in, and he has got a great guest with him. Uh, Dr. Francis Beckwith from Baylor University is going to be on via phone with us for the next segment. We'll be back right after this. Any young men interested in learning more about the priesthood are invited to the next St. Andrew Breakfast, which will take place on Saturday, February 19th at 8 a.m. at St. Patrick's Cathedral in Fort Worth. The day will begin with Mass at the Cathedral, followed by breakfast. We encourage young men in high school and college to attend. Please reserve your spot by contacting the Vocations Office at 817-945-9321 or by email at vocations at fwdioc.org. Victory Investment Strategies is a sponsor of KATH 910 AM. They pray for continued blessings on all who make Catholic Radio possible in North Texas. The unique programming is vital to our daily lives. Victory Investment Strategies is a full-service investment firm owned by Joel and Elizabeth Victory, members of St. Patrick Cathedral in Fort Worth. They offer a variety of products and will customize a plan to fit your individual needs. 866-810-6800. 866-810-6800. Securities offered through LPL Financial Member FINRA SIPC. The Office of Vocations in the Diocese of Dallas invites all junior and senior high school girls for a Marian dinner on Tuesday, February 15th at 6.30 p.m. Please join Father Paul Bechter, the Director of Vocations, and Religious Sisters and Consecrated Women of various communities to discover the happiness behind living a life dedicated to God. The evening includes Mass, dinner, prayer, testimonies, and presentations on vocations for women. To register, visit dallasvocations.org. Looking for a career move where you can put your faith into action as you build relationships within your local community? Decided Excellence Catholic Media is one of the fastest growing private media companies in North America. We are seeking media, marketing, and sales professionals who want to join our team to produce exclusive faith-filled magazines that support local businesses. To learn more about Decided Excellence Catholic Media, please visit DecidedExcellence.com. That's DecidedExcellence.com. Hello, how would you like a chance to win a Mercedes-Benz? What's up with the accent, Dave? Oh, hey, Cecil. Just putting on a posh accent, because this year with the GRN, we're raffling off a pretty... Oh, you mean the 2022 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250? That's right. And that all listeners need to do to get their tickets is to contact their general manager or visit grnonline.com forward slash raffle, and that all the funds raised go to the GRN. Tickets are only one for $25 or five for 100 Yeah, pretty much. Oh, I took over your spot again, didn't I? Well, it was probably for the best. Kelly-o! Hi, I'm Dr. Kyle Eberlein of Mid-Cities Dental and a parishioner of Good Shepherd Catholic Community in Colleyville. Dentistry can be expensive, especially if you know you need a lot of work. That's why you need to know all of your treatment options. And you need a dentist whom is on your insurance plan. This could potentially save you lots of money. Our office will offer you a no-obligation consultation with necessary x-rays. We can be reached at 817-282-9321 or midcitiesdental.com. Again, that number is 817-282-9321. All right, we're back. This is the Good News Show here on KTH 910 AM, uh, Guadalupe Radio Network, and uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, We have Dr. Jonathan Sanford in studio. It's the fourth Monday of the month, and that means it's our time to focus on the University of Dallas, uh, where I'm a graduate, got my uh, master's degree there, and it's just an awesome, awesome university. So, Dr. Sanford, welcome. How are you doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, (laughs) Dave. It's it's great to be here, and um, it's great to be starting a new a new semester at the University.
University of Dallas. Our students are eager and um, already at it for a week, and it really looks to be a, a wonderful semester. Mm-hmm. Are things starting to feel like they're kind of getting back to normal a little bit? Uh, is, yeah, it, is, they, is there they, a sense they, of normalcy? They are. I mean, there, there was a little, um, a little bit of, of COVID on campus, but not a whole lot. And, yeah. and, and I'm not too worried about it anyway. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're more or less back to normal. Students are, are um, about the business of, of in-person classes and, and digging into the great texts of our tradition. And, and uh, uh, so we're, we're, we're heading full steam ahead. Yeah, biggest freshman class in the history of the university, That's right. right. That's right. Yes. Yeah, that is awesome. I have a, a very close uh, friend of my, well, my, my daughter's two doors down from us who started uh, at Baylor. Uh, mm-hmm. She actually started th- this week. And so I know that's where your guest is from, uh, Dr. Francis Beckwith, <laughs> professor yeah. of philosophy. And she had a great first week, by the way. She really enjoyed it. Uh, professor of philosophy and church state studies at Baylor University. So I uh, take it away, Dr. Well, well, Dr. Beckwith, it's so great to have you on the show. How are you? I'm doing great. It's it's good to talk with you. Likewise, likewise. Thanks for taking the time. And I, w- I was just telling Dave, our host, that you're going to be on campus. We, we've we adjusted the date uh, a little bit. It's going to be March 3rd now. And you're going to be talking on answering the same God question with theological integrity, which is a, a part um, drawn from your, your latest book, Never Doubt Aquinas. Confessions of an Evangelical, I'm sorry, the Catholic Aquinas as Evangelical and Protestant. So I'm I'm um, sitting in the studio here with Dave, who who's got his own book on on Aquinas, and when he was at the University of Dallas oh. working on his master's degree, um, he he worked on St. Thomas Aquinas in particular. So we've we've got three three Thomists <laughs> who are uh, wow. part of this conversation. Well, you know, I, I, a couple of years ago, uh, I was. I was spent a year at the University of Colorado, and I team taught a course with Robert Pasnow, who's a, who is a Aquinas scholar. Right. He invited me to team teach, and I, I told him, I said, you know, Bob, I'm just a Thomist. I'm not an Aquinas scholar. Mm-hmm. So there is, I, 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 I approach Aquinas as somebody who loves him, who has read a lot of him, but I, I kind of, I don't, I don't like to associate myself too much with, with. Uh, least the rarefied scholarship that uh, I wish I had more time to delve into. So, so, but as Bob says to me, said to me in response, he goes, no, you have skin in the game. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, so I, so as a Thomist, I mean, I, I, I think because it's yeah, obviously it's, it's in many ways, the philosophy of the church, uh, I have skin in the game. <laughs> yes, yes, you, yes, you do indeed. And, you know, similarly, I, I, I wrote a dissertation on a different topic altogether and came to Aquinas a little, a little later in life. And I, I like that distinction between an Aquinas scholar as opposed to a Thomist. And in a way, um, um, it, it, it helps us to understand Aquinas as the universal doctor of the church, right? So in a, in a certain respect, although many people might not like to hear this, we should all be Thomists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, when I think of, like you, I, I, I did study Aquinas in grad school, but I had a kind of, um, I kind of a distorted view of Aquinas, mm-hmm. and one of the things I'm, I try to do in the book is to kind of explain how over the years, as I began to read Aquinas, I didn't realize how much of contemporary philosophy influenced the way that I read back into Aquinas ideas that he probably didn't hold. Yes. And so there, there's a sense that, you know, when you, you know, when you're reading Aquinas, 
if you if you approach him with contemporary categories, at least in philosophy, uh, you, you're going to miss certain things. Yeah. And that's something it took me quite a while to learn. Well, you know, um, before we, we get into the book a little bit, because I, I do want to ask you about um, some of the, the misunderstandings about Aquinas that you treat. I, I, um, I, I think that might be fruitful, um, particularly for a, a, the wider audience that listen to this show. But um, would, would you sure. mind sharing a little bit about your return to Rome? Um, the um, I, I think it was 2007, 2008, uh, somewhere in that period, and and you actually published a book about about uh, coming back to Rome, Confessions of an Evangelical yeah. Catholic, and I, I I suspect that 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 perspective plays a role in in the way that you come at Aquinas in your most recent book. Oh, very much so. I came back to the church 15 years ago. I had grown up Catholic, went to Catholic schools all my life during the during my elementary and high school, and then did my PhD at Fordham University, mm-hmm. uh, where I studied under some of the great Thomists of the 20th century, although at the time I didn't know who they really were, one of whom was Father Norris Clark, wow. uh, Father Gerald McCool. Uh, and I look back, it was sort of remarkable that I had that opportunity, but I, I drifted away as a youngster, uh, was sort of drawn to evangelical Christianity. But as somebody who's interested in philosophy, I saw Aquinas as somebody that I could appropriate as an evangelical Christian. But what I didn't realize was how much of Aquinas's thought was so tightly tethered to the theological and ecclesiastical aspects of Catholic thought. So like a lot of evangelical philosophers who love Aquinas but remain evangelical, mm-hmm they kind of think you can sort of take one part of Aquinas and ignore the other part. And mm-hmm. so it took me a while uh, to sort of figure this out. And by the time I had decided to return to the church in 2007, and my wife, who had never been Catholic, decided to convert, um, I think I was probably there for a while, <laughs> just yeah. in terms of the way I, I understood the world and the way I looked at the relationship between faith and reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it, it's, it's funny. When I was young, so I, I went to a great books um, school for my um, high school and then studied great books as a, as a classics major um, and uh, as an undergraduate and, and read very little Aquinas throughout that. And I got a lot of, of actually negative perspectives on Aquinas from a number of my, my professors. And I think part of that might have been connected to um, the way in which Aquinas, at least within the, the Catholic world, had been regarded as a, as a kind of, uh, of catechetical source. And one did not often encounter his, his living mind, so to speak, the, the, the kind of engagement um, that you find in the disputed question format where he brings forward the, the most challenging objections to the position that he wants to advance and, and then not only advances his own position but takes great care in responding to those objections. And, and, and I, I think many of my, my teachers just had not encountered Aquinas in his actual texts. They, they had been working uh, from some handbooks and I know some of those handbooks were, were quite good. But, but for me, when I – Opened up Aquinas's actual text. I thought, here, here is a a um, a philosopher and a theologian of of great and subtle intellect who is unafraid to go where other people might be far more wary. 
And um, I don't I don't know if you had any of those kinds of challenges in in your background, but I'm I'm interested in hearing about the way in which those within the Protestant um, uh, side of of the Christian equation approach Aquinas and, and what kind of of challenges they encounter when they when they think about him. Yeah, I think I think that your 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 account is is is, is I think accurate in terms of the way. Uh, what is called the manualist mm-hmm. tradition, you know, the, the sort of the kind of post-scholastic way of systematizing Aquinas for, as you said, catech- you know, catechism, right? And uh, kind of like a, you, you basically the Baltimore catechism is like, you know, Aquinas for dummies, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of, you know, uh, that that sort of way. And I think that obviously uh, is not a bad thing, but you're right in terms of encountering the actual text of Aquinas. And in the evangelical world, um, the thing that that I think attracts a lot of evangelical academics and intellectuals to Aquinas is the fact that he does offer this very rich uh, account of reality that uh, tries to explain the relationship between faith and reason in ways that certain aspects of Protestant traditions do not, mm-hmm. but one of the one of the things that I discovered in one of the chapters in, in Never Doubt Thomas, in which I address this, is is on issues like the doctrine of justification, where uh, which is of course the doctrine over which the Reformation was law, launched, mm-hmm. and some of the great evangelical Thomists like Norman Geisler and John Gerster and R.C. Sproul they read Aquinas as somehow not consistent or in continuity with the tradition that follows him, like the mm-hmm. Council of Trent. And so one of the points that I make in the book is that in what the Council of Trent says in, in response to the Protestant Reformation is right from Thomas. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, so I, I'm thinking, well, how did they miss that? And I think they miss it. Uh, for the same reason why when you're in love with somebody, you may miss their flaws. Yeah. <laughs> that is, mm-hmm. you know, they, they love him so much, they don't want him to be wrong on that. Mm-hmm. And also, Aquinas is not writing in a polemical way about that issue, because he's not responding to, uh, you know, thinkers that are in schism with the Catholic Church. He's just writing to, you know, seminarians, at mm-hmm. least in the Summa Theologica. Mm-hmm. And so... So I think that's one thing that I that I that I discovered was that uh, I don't think you you can always account for the misreading of Aquinas as just bad reading. I think it's just you discover a writer that seems to answer so many questions, and then he says something that may make you turn sideways, and so you kind of reinterpret him or interpret him in a way that's more generous to your view. Right, right. That makes sense, and you know it it, it bears. Pointing out the the obvious that that Aquinas is you know pre Reformation, pre pre the kind of schisms that that mark the um, um, the modern um, uh, fissures that that run through the Church, um, particularly in in the Latin West, and and so he's he's there for everyone and can um, be a guide for um, uh, evangelicals Protestants. And Catholics, and and um, 
you know, perhaps through concerted effort, uh, might be a uh, a vehicle for for calling others back to to Rome. Although that's that's just not something that was on his mind in the same way that it would be for those engaged in apologetics today. That's right. So today, you find I, I've I've made friendships with many uh, Protestant um, theologians and philosophers who actually didn't know while I was an evangelical because of their love for Aquinas's way of, of, of doing theology, uh, one of whom uh, is named uh, Carl Truman, who's oh, at yeah. uh, Grove City College. So you, you, your listeners may have heard of him. You may have heard of him. He writes often for first things, and right. he is a real devotee of Reformed scholasticism, which is uh, kind of a school of thought that arises after the departure of Calvin and Luther. And a lot of these thinkers, like John Owen and and Francis Turretin, wind up reading Aquinas and uh, appropriating much of his theology in order to shore up kind of the classical doctrine of God, which they thought may be lost with a kind of purely sola scriptura approach to scripture. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. really, it's really interesting some of the ways in which post-Reformation Protestant thought, at least in more conservative circles, has has used Aquinas, right. uh, I think, in ways that are really fruitful. You know, you, you do a lot of work, uh, Frank, in moral and political philosophy. And, and you know, I, I find, at, at least from my, my own research, uh, Aquinas' treatment of the virtues of particular significance there. And I, I love the way in which he, he's got a, a, a natural account of the moral and intellectual virtues and then as you move into the secunda secunde of the um, uh, the summa theologiae, right? It, it grows richer and richer. He's got the account of the um, uh, theological virtues, and then they re- invest the the moral and the intellectual virtues with grace and bring nature to perfection in a way that is unimaginable without the infusion of grace and. And is that dimension of Aquinas's work, you know, this basic idea that grace perfects nature, that brings it and brings it into a, um, a higher state of, of perfection? Is that is that a stumbling block for for those coming at Aquinas, say from the Reformed tradition or or uh, uh, Presbyterianism, more more specifically, or or um, is that too an area of, of real richness in their encounter? Yeah, I, I think that, that there there are some reform thinkers that welcome that in the sense that they they obviously don't interpret it like uh, let's say the Catholic Catechism interprets the race the, the role of grace mm-hmm. in, in, in as an infused virtue, but they do see obviously grace being important for our ability as human beings to engage in acts of charity and to transform us in the image of Christ. So, I mean, there is a very close mm-hmm. it's very close the way in which they describe the way grace works. On the other hand, you find some Reformed thinkers, uh, and I see most of these folks that come out of philosophy rather than theology, seeing natural law thinking as a kind of lingua franca, that is a, a kind of way of defending views in the public square without appealing to explicit theological notions. And I actually think that doing that... Uh, doesn't fully uh, express 
the role that the passions play yeah. in why we do bad things. I, I think so. So, you know, there's this uh, in the book I, I mention I, I refer to uh, uh, a group of critics of natural law as frustrated fellow travelers. Mm-hmm. And these are people that say, look, we give all our arguments in the public square and people don't change their minds. So natural law doesn't work. Yeah. And, and my what I think they, they, they exclude from their vision is the part of Aquinas where he actually explains why people actually, even with an, a kind of primitive awareness of fundamental moral principles, still act badly. Right. That's and right. it has to do with, you know, miseducation, uh, unmastered passions. And I, I even think some of, some of, uh, uh, even some of our Catholic friends kind of, you know, I think they make a mistake by ignoring that aspect of Aquinas or not really addressing it, because I think it's, 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 it's an important question to answer. It's like, why is it, if this is the deliverance of reason, why do otherwise reasonable people don't immediately change their minds? Yeah. Well, I, I think it's because we're just not rational. We're just not merely rational animals. We are animals, right? I mean, we're, there's a, a rational part of us and there's an animal part of us. And that's, and one thing Aquinas does stress is in order for a human being to be a human being, both have to be present. Right. That's right. And, that, and the, the role for habituation is so significant when it comes to, to mastering our passions or maybe, maybe even more properly um, cultivating our, our passions, educating them. I mean, the, the good news of the moral life is our passions are educable through the ministrations of reason, but over many, many acts in which we're striving to um, habituate them to, to act in accord with, with our judgments. But mere argumentation um, only, only penetrates so far. And being, right. being right is, is insufficient when it comes to um, right action and, and educating others to, to follow what, in fact, um, intellectually they can grasp as, as a, a proper course of action. So I, That's right, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, the, the topic for your, your March 3rd lecture, which will be part of, of the Arate series. I, I have a series of, of lectures and other engagements called Arate, Renewing Culture Through Educational Excellence. So it's, it's our highest level engagement, and um, I'm so happy that you're going to be part of, of that particular series. And the, the topic for your talk will be answering the same God question with theological integrity. Could you tell us a little bit about, about that, that talk? Sure, sure. I, and and I, I, by the way, I'm honored to, to, to be uh, a speaker in that series. I uh, looked at some of the names that preceded me, uh, some of my predecessors, and it's quite, uh, quite an honor to be uh, in that group. Uh, let me say a few things about, about the talk. So about six years ago, there was a controversy at Wheaton College in uh, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a professor there, a political science professor, who said on her Facebook page that, uh, that she says, I agree with Pope Francis that Muslims and Christians worship the same God. And this caused a controversy because according to the statement of faith that all faculty members at Wheaton must sign, one must affirm the doctrine of the Trinity, and obviously Muslims do not accept the doctrine of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. I wrote a, an op-ed piece uh, defending this professor, even though I, I suspect on political issues 
she and I are are, are wide apart on uh, you know uh, on certain political questions. She is far more liberal mm-hmm. than I am. But on this issue, one of the so I wrote this op-ed piece for the online magazine, The Catholic Thing, where I where I made the argument that in the Catholic tradition, uh, the reason why we hold this view is not because we don't believe that people that deny the Trinity are wrong. It's because we believe that there is something about the divine nature that we could know as human beings and get correct, namely mm-hmm. that there is a uh, uncaused, uh, eternal, simple, infinite being that has underived existence. That means that he's always existed, and that, mm-hmm. of course, is God. Mm-hmm. And, it, and do, in fact, Muslims and Jews uh, believe in such a being? Of course they do, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so what I, what I want to do in this lecture, what I'm going to do in this lecture, is to then appeal to Aquin- Thomas Aquinas' distinction between the preambles of faith mm-hmm. and the articles of faith. So Aquinas argues that there are certain things that we can know about God through our natural reason, mm-hmm. or certain things that we can know about God even if we don't have an argument, we just kind of know, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, sort of, you know, let's say you're taking an Uber ride and your, uh, your driver, you, you get into a theological discussion and you ask your driver, do you believe in God? And he says, yeah, sure I do. I grew up Catholic or I grew up Presbyterian. And you ask him, well, what's your argument? And he says, I don't have an argument. I just think it's obvious that God exists. Yeah. Aquinas says that that's perfectly reasonable. Yeah, <laughs> that, right. That, mm-hmm. and, and, that, and that that person could very well, you know, that person, if, if you sort of quiz them, they would have a view of God that corresponds to, uh, you know, pro- not in the sort of technical philosophical sense that I uh, explained it, but it's sort of in a way that's consistent with that. Right. And uh, now that differs from what Aquinas called the articles of faith. Those are those things that we could only know through God revealing them through Holy Scripture and tradition. So the doctrine of the Trinity, or that Christ died for our sins. Right. So we can know, for example, that Jesus of Nazareth lived and died, and we can have arguments for why he rose from the dead, but we can't get from sheer uh, examination of history uh, whether he, in fact, died for our sins. That's something we can only know if God specially, specially reveals that to us. Right. And so... What I want to do in this lecture is to show how we can say, yes, Muslims, Christians, and Jews all worship the same God, but that doesn't mean they share the same faith. Right. And so that's that's the theological integrity part, because I think a lot of Catholics, especially more traditional Catholics, are nervous when, let's say, uh, somebody says, oh, Muslims, Christians, and Jews worship the same God, and they they think, oh, uh, this person is a kind of theological liberal who believes in a kind of universal ecumenism and wants to dilute the faith. Right. And what I want to argue is that, no, in fact, this is part of something that's been part of the Catholic tradition from the very start. Yeah, you know, it's, it, you know, Nostra Aetate and um, a number of other documents of Vatican II make the point that those of the Abrahamic yeah. religions worship the same God. So, you know, th- those who might find that problematical from a Catholic point of view um, – um, need to, to be a little bit more familiar with with the magisterium, which which makes that point. Uh, but I, I think you're right that fear is born from a a kind of of collision of or elision of the the distinctions that that you've made between you know the, the God revealed through 
faith um, and and the God that we can grasp by means of of reason, seeing that there is an uncaused cause, a, a first mover of everything in the universe, and and a most perfect being, and and other other ways in which Aquinas lays out, we can come at God. That's that is open to um, well anyone actually of of um, whatever faith but in a particular way there's there is this abrahamic root that that we share in common um with those um those other religions so i i, th- I think it's very valuable to lay this out and um, i think it's going to be quite fruitful for our students and, and guests to uh, wrestle with it, that argument yeah you know the the model for this is um uh, something actually never occurred to me until I began writing about this uh, a couple of years ago is the on Mars Hill where St. Paul is, uh, you know, debating with the Greek and Roman philosophers. Yeah. And he says, I'll, you know, I walked throughout your city in Athens and I came across the temple to the unknown God. I'll tell you who that unknown God is. And he goes on to say, even your poets say uh, there is this being in which we exist and have and move and have our own being. Yeah. And so there he's sort of, he's saying, look, there's this creator, this self-existent creator of all that is, and that's the God that I'm going to present to you, but he's also revealed himself yeah. in the person of Jesus of Nazareth, who died and rose again. And so there is this, in the very presentation of Mars Hill, of, of Paul saying, 